0: What's up, Commonwealth, and welcome back to another episode of the Bluegrass SoccerCast, your home for all things soccer right here in the beautiful Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm, of course, Mr. Jimmy. That's Mr. John. John, how are we doing today, sir? I'm good, Jimmy. How are you? I'm good. And today we have a very special guest with us today. We have the head coach of the Northern Kentucky women's team. Coach Bob Sheen. Close enough?
1: Very how close. How'd that do Very Perfect. close.
0: Give it to me, Good Coach. Enough. What how do you pronounce your last name exactly?
1: Uh Sheehan.
0: Sheehan. Okay. I was yeah, I was close. I just had a little more <laughs> Kentucky twang on it. Um, so coach, I don't know if you're if you watch our show. I'm sure you do, right?
1: I I I actually did today, yes, I did. Let's go. Yeah.
0: Um so you know we always start our show with a nice gentle icebreaker so i'm gonna click the random generator and we're all gonna go around and answer the question for today okay okay <laughs> <laughs> you are only allowed to eat one food again for the rest of your life what is it whoever wants to take that first no
2: mine's a simple it's, okay what is it it's a really like version i get a lot is a marie calendar's microwave meal but it's just hmm. cheese chicken and broccoli Oh, and yeah. rice cheese chicken broccoli and rice all together i get everything
1: i need out of it and it's good <laughs> yeah there you go coach how do you what, what is your meal uh i like a pasta with um olive oil and garlic and parmesan cheese it's very simple but it's yeah. uh, delicious. but then you still get some veggies
0: yeah uh-huh. yeah there's some I veggies like in it as well uh, I'm gonna go along with that Italian train a little bit. Um, I'm gonna go with pizza because it's so versatile, right? Like that's a kind of a cop out answer, but like you can have uh, all kinds of cheeses, you can have different meats and veggies, and it mm. would be, it'd be delicious. <laughs> um, so that's the most awkward question we have for you, Coach. That's the only <laughs> reason we wanted you on. No, uh, <laughs> we wanted to kind of talk to you about you know the team and kind of see how things are going for you. Um, but before we talk directly about, you know, this year's Norris, uh, kind of talk to us about where are you from? What was soccer like in your life growing up as a, as a kid and as a youth?
1: Uh, I'm from uh, Anderson Township in the Cincinnati. I still live about five minutes from where I grew up. Uh, I nice. went to McNicholas High, McNicholas High School, which is a, a small Catholic co-ed school on the east side of Cincinnati. Went to Xavier University. Um, got a bachelor's degree and an MBA in finance from uh, Xavier. Um, started so coaching, if I, grew if up. If I have uh, financial questions, I'm calling you, right? Oh, you will? <laughs> I don't know if I'll give you the right answer, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, soccer was very different. You know, it was just uh, grassroots. Uh, it was, um, you know, coaches were uh, um, honestly like immigrants, more uh, mm-hmm. a, a gentleman from Germany, a gentleman from Italy. Um, where they came over, uh, started families, and then they were the dads. Um, so it was very, very different um, then, um, obviously, that the clubs have exploded, that the, the uh, popularity of the sport has exploded. Um, so there's just so much more opportunity for for development and growth. And, um, you know, there's, again, so many great coaches out there. Um, and then I started coaching, actually, when I was in college at a, at a grade school. Uh, my younger sister played there. And then – um, when I was getting my MBA, started coaching at a, a little Catholic school called St. Ursula Academy an all girls school, um, and really enjoyed that experience. And then in 1997, I applied, there was going to be a women's soccer team at NKU. Jane Meyer was the athletic director, Trem- tremendous, tremendous leader, tremendous, uh, athletic director. She started the program and I was fortunate enough to have Jane hire me. Uh, and I've been here ever since. So, uh, it's been a long time. We've, we've had a lot of growth over the years and. And I've really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to coach at NKU. Uh,
2: coach, how do you feel you've uh, played into the growth of soccer in Cincinnati area, particularly over these past 20 or so years as seen, you know, the as you said, like the program, not a big major school not having a program, you walking as a first coach to having – one of the best supported, uh, professional sides in the, uh, country.
1: Yeah. The, the, the growth is incredible. Um, there's been, there's been so many people who have done so much for the sport, um, in our area and obviously across the country. Um, yeah, my role is obviously very, very small. Um, I, I still in many ways consider myself a high school coach I think that's just grassroots obviously I coach club for many years as well but high school club coach i mean you're you' you get to know the families you get to know the the student athletes and um, you know we really do try to focus on basics and fundamentals and doing things the right way and and those things win ultimately at, le- at, at every level um so um, we've been fortunate to go from, you know, Division Two with one scholarship when we started uh, wow. to play in in the national championship game. Just four years later, to to win in a lot of conference championships, to play in, in the Elite Eight multiple times. <coughs> Division II, bless you, John. You. Um, and then at Division One. We've been fortunate to be in the Horizon League, and you know we were able to to win the tournament the first year we were eligible in two thousand sixteen. Uh, played uh, West Virginia in the NCAA tournament, which was an incredible opportunity for our program. They were number one in the country at the time. Uh, The national player of the year, Keisha Buchanan, was their center back, uh, plays on the full Canadian national team. Ashley Lawrence was the center mid. She was, I think, recently ranked as the seventh best uh, woman in the world. Uh, So what an experience to play uh, players at that level. Uh, And then we were able to win it again in the COVID year, but we went down in penalty kicks. So we've been... We've been very blessed to have incredible student athletes in our program. We have a great staff. Steve Bornhofer has been with me for 12 years. Terry Gorell's over 20 years. We have an incredible athletic trainer named Stephanie James. She does an amazing job. And and our strength coach, Maggie Smith, played for us at NKU about 12 years ago. So we we really have a good group, a good staff, and we work really, really well together. And I feel very blessed to, to work with the people that I do on a daily basis.
0: Coach, I I had an interview uh, a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago at this point uh, with the WKU coach coach Jason Jason Nadell. Um, yeah. Both you and him helped start your current programs from the very beginning and build it all the way up. What has been the most rewarding part to you from having that opportunity to start literally from Ground zero?
1: I think the first year, what was I think so special for us, I was hired in May of nineteen ninety seven and uh, we put a team on the field in August. So uh, interestingly, uh, we, we only had one scholarship, so I, I bless you. I didn't want to uh, blow our full scholarship uh, right away. So basically, if you think about one scholarship, it would be a quarter of a scholarship per recruiting class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you gotta... So we basically filled, filled a team of walk-ons. We had 42 players that I had spent the entire summer quote recruiting to come out, And I remember at 9 a.m., we were waiting for this parade of cars to, <clears throat> to come in, and there were 17 players <clears throat> out of the 42 who actually showed up. And we, we kind of began stretching, and we didn't even get the balls out of the bag, and I called them over and said, congratulations. This is the very first NKU women's soccer team. <laughs> and I said, I can't cut any of you because there's only 17 of you here. <laughs> and it was an amazing group. We ended up with actually two goalkeepers, 15 field players. We went 7 and 11 that year. And it was just, it was a tremendous group of people. And I think where I'm going with this story is there was such enthusiasm. Some of them had played on the club team uh, to be on a bus that said Northern Kentucky university. Uh, They thanked the driver. When we go into Wendy's, I'd say, you know, you can only spend $3 because we don't have a big budget and they would spend the $3. Um, But they were so enthusiastic. They were so appreciative. They loved to play And I think that's the spirit that we have to keep in our program uh, as college athletes, because it can be about stuff. How much Adidas gear do you have? What kind of meals do you have? And and, and all that stuff ultimately doesn't matter. What does matter is, do you have a group of players who are bought in, who are committed, who are invested, who want to get better every day, who really love being around each other and love being a part of the team? And can we take this and, and make something special out of it and create a positive experience? So for me, long-winded answer, uh, Jimmy, is that first team. I'm reminded often of the first team, and how can we keep that energy and enthusiasm in our program? Yeah, $3 at Wendy's? You can't even get a biggie bag for that, man. Come on. Well,
0: <laughs> well no, this was 19, late 19,
2: late, uh, late 90s, remember. That. <laughs> inflation true, true. and stuff. John, um, you
0: were like an infant at that time. Chill out.
2: I was not born at that time.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'll see you all later. I'm going <laughs> to Go
2: retire now. Um, how, speaking on how you you stay focused about that, like, team one mentality and stuff like that, how has, if at all, have you seen the impact of, like, NIL at your level in women's soccer? I know it sucks that soccer is not – college soccer, at least, is not, like, the f- football and basketball levels it is in America. But have you seen an impact of NIL in terms of your program?
1: Um, when we, when we go to play the power schools, um, you know, those, those schools, uh, their resources, uh, are there. Um, so we do see that it has not trickled down to us necessarily. You know, we have one of our players who has a deal with, uh, with like a protein shake and she gets X amount of dollars a month in, in, uh, in goods. Uh, we have other players who, who do a little bit where they might get $50 or $100 a post and things like that, but but not at the level that we're, we read about in the media you know, every day. So I think there are opportunity for them, but not, like you said, John, not at the level of some of these other uh, uh, either programs or, or sports.
0: Where do you think that will kind of take, NIL specifically, where do you think that will take the sport over the next 10, 15 years?
1: I don't know. I mean, when you read about the the money that some of the players are are basically making, um, it does appear that there's going to be a larger separation between, you know we're we're a mid major in the Horizon <laughs> League. Um, and it just does seem like there's going to continue to be a greater and greater separation in terms of resources, NIL funding, there's cost of attendance, there's Alston funds. There's X amount of coaches who can be on the staff. There's directors of operations. There's student managers. There's all these things um, <clears throat> that uh, mid-majors just can't afford. So uh, there probably will continue be, to be a separation of the powers and then the, the more mid-majors.
0: So can you see – sorry, Don, I just keep jumping in with a similar train of questions here. So do you see a, a – a, a, wow, man, my brain just melted. <laughs> do you see an opportunity maybe in the next few years to move some things around either in the horizon league or in others to get to a place that feels more competitive for NKU or is conference realignment going to not totally affect uh, you all in soccer specifically as it does like football and basketball?
1: Well, I mean, you you really never know. I mean, it's, it's a constantly evolving landscape. I mean, we were, we went, there was a period where we had truly, we had uh, a fifth year senior who had, who had suffered a, you know, season ending injury and came back and played her fifth year. I'm going back. She was recruited to play in the great lakes Valley conference, which she did. Then she played in the Atlantic sun. Then she played in the horizon league. So in her five years, she played in three leagues. I mean, that's a, that's a true story. So, so who knows where it's going? Nobody can really say where, where, uh, where it's going to go. There's potentially continue to be trickle-down. Who knows, uh, really, what's going to happen yeah. in the future. That's a great story
0: because, like, I'm sure there are going to be – I mean, there are football players that are doing that, right? They're going JUCO, you know, mid-major, and then, you know, the Big Ten or whatever, right? So right. it's interesting to hear those stories about college players, especially women's college players
1: uh, that are doing the same thing. But the difference is she stayed at NKU for the five years. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> truly. She, she never left. Yeah. Uh,
2: with um, the bit of the mid majors and this separation thing, how do you see the rise of professional teams and professional teams developing academies impact on college? Because a lot of these pro teams are trying to model Europe, which doesn't, the college sports aren't really big there. So do you see that as, like, could impact even you at a mid-major type level where you're being impacted by NIL with the separation that could get bigger? Do you see, like, if FC Cincinnati drops a women's team and they do an academy that you could be losing some of that Cincinnati area
1: players? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, You know, the female athlete, um, you know – I, I can't speak, you know, how many female athletes, you know, skip college to go to pro that really hasn't happened on the female side. Um, I would think a college education for, for many would still be important. Um, so you see that more. And, and but again, on the male side, these things are more, uh, developed. They've been around, these leagues have been around for a long time. And you see these, these young players going pro at 16, 17, 18 years old, um, i don't know that would probably be something that would maybe be down the road uh, again as, as you say if there's a if there's a a, a woman's team and then an academy and then there's an opportunity to be in the academy and go straight to the top team at the age of 18 um, so great question i, I it, who knows could certainly could happen
0: could you see like a partnership being formed maybe you know between like NKU and lexington sporting club or FC Cincinnati or something like that to where you know, your players, they come play for the Norris in the fall and the spring while they're in class, then they go play for somebody else as a unit in in a club set.
1: Yeah, I, I think right now the rule is you're allowed five players on a on a on a summer team. Oh, so I didn't even know that. Yeah. They, so we yeah, have, uh, we do have
2: have. Go ahead, John. <laughs> I was about to say you had a uh, number two or three that played for the King's Hammer. W League mm-hmm. team, didn't
1: you? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, our goalkeeper. Uh, li- yeah, several. Yeah, so um, unless that you know that changes, which again the rules are changing all the time, that it would li- be limited to five in the summer. Um, but that that could be something that could happen down the road. You just don't know. It's a great question, Jimmy. Uh, speaking of your
2: goalkeeper, uh, Michaela is. Been playing outstanding as of late.
0: Uh, That's an of- understatement. She's playing out of this world, John. She is jumping around like crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys just recently had your uh, sc- uh, shutout streak ended this past match. Uh, how can you speak on her performance? Because it's not just like what uh, Marsh Josephine is doing out in Kentucky, where she's having a few shots on goal. She is really like having eight to ten saves a game out there.
1: Yeah, well, we really wanted to challenge ourselves. We were coming off a, a really hard year um, in terms of one less record and 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 injuries and, and 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 those types of things. So, so we had a choice to make um, as a coaching staff: and do we go with a soft schedule, or do we, you know, challenge our team? Um, and so we we chose the latter. So, you know, five days into preseason, we went down and played at Kentucky, and I think that was really important for us. Um, you know, to play a team that's recruiting players in the SEC and on their home field. And, and to, it was a 1-1 game. Um, we scored on a restart. They scored on a restart. Um, and then we, we played Cincinnati in an exhibition, uh, shut them out, uh, played at Louisville. And to your point, yes, Mick had a big day at Louisville. We were on our heels. Again, they're recruiting players to play in the ACC. Um, but again, we, we think these things will, over the course of the season, help our team develop and grow. Uh, so Mick has had some really, really big big moments. There's absolutely no doubt of it. She's been fantastic. And she's, she'll be the first one to say she's got a fantastic back line in front of her. Our center backs, uh, Lydia Self, uh, uh, Sophia uh Jamie Laker, uh, Lily Yor is, back, uh, is a left back, Alyssa Carnes is a left back, Maria Weefrain is right back. The back line is doing a tremendous job. Uh, in front of her as well. So um, it's been a really a team effort and the midfielders and the forwards. But Mick has done an exceptional job. We're really pleased with Mick.
0: You know, kind of looking at the Horizon League right now, you've got Purdue-Fort Wayne and you've got Milwaukee, who the last two years have really kind of led the league, right, in, in points and in wins and so forth. You Later, not this week, but next week, you play both of them at home uh, obviously, you're not going to overlook this game this week uh, at Oakland, but how are you preparing for playing top-tier opponents in your conference at home next week?
1: Uh, well, we're thinking about Oakland. Oakland had a tremendous uh, team, has a tremendous coach, and uh, we, we're going to leave for Oakland on Wednesday. So, again, it'll be Oakland. You're right. And these are quick turnarounds, You Thursday, yeah, Sunday, Sunday. So uh, we go Oakland, Purdue, Fort Wayne at home, and then we do get a little breather. Uh, we go Sunday to Saturday, so I think that'll be a nice week of preparation for us for Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I I don't know the exact number. I think they've won eighteen, but uh, the last nineteen or it could be eighteen of the last eight conference championships. I mean, they have been in a power for years and years and years in the conference, and so they're kind of the team to. To beat, and they are again this year. So uh, Milwaukee has been a long-term power in the Horizon League in women's soccer.
0: And that one was the twenty-one, the COVID year
1: where you all beat them, right? It was uh, two thousand sixteen. We won the regulars. Oh. We won the regular season championship, and then we played Milwaukee in a in a ended up in a penalty kick shootout. We ended up on the wrong end of the shootout. So uh, but we did beat them in the in the championship game in 2016, yes. Sorry, my, my notes didn't go back that far. My bad. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah.
2: Um, what is with the short week and stuff, how do you prep for that compared to obviously the pro teams might have a short week one or two times, but you've played between exhibition and the coming games, you're gonna have fifteen matches yeah. in a space of two months. Yeah. How is that type of preparation goes into that where, yes, you're focused on Oakland, but you have a team that's coming on, on Sunday sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So we, there's a really a, a tremendous, uh, and I don't know if you guys have had access to it. It's called Y scout. And so all these games are on Y scout and you can break down the game. There's a uh, like 25 page reports on the, on the games. And it's, um uh, it, 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 it identifies each individual player, uh, Successful actions, uh, passes, completed passes, one-on-one duels, aerial duels, um, goal expectancy as a team, uh, t- possession. Uh, there's so, so there's it's, it's 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 a lot of information. So the coaching staff will be starting to prepare for for the games in the future. Um, so that, but with the players, we just we just focus on on Oakland. So specific to this week, we got home about eight thirty last night from Youngstown. Monday's an off day. Tomorrow we'll train for just about an hour and 45 minutes. Our strength coach will come out on the field uh, at the end of training for about 30 minutes. Uh, Wednesday, we'll actually leave uh, at about 11. We wanna get the players to be able to get to class, uh, at least in the morning. When we will go out to Oakland, they play on grass. We'll train out there for just about an hour and a half. Um, Wednesday night, play Oakland at 5.30 on Wednesday. Home, back to NKU, probably about midnight. And then our strength and conditioning coach will have a really good recovery for a good 30 minutes with we'll a light training session Friday. We'll have a light training session Saturday, film review and those kinds of things. And then we turn around and play Sunday. So these these games, you have to be really careful because you only have a couple of days between games and you want to learn from the last game. You want to try to train, but you can't overtrain. train. Uh, as you guys know, you know, your players are some of your players are running eight to nine miles of of uh, a <laughs> match. They're, they're sprinting. 1200 yards in a match so the the demands on uh, on their on their bodies are, are are pretty strong
0: yeah like that's uh a lot i don't run that far if i'm trying to get to a buffet even um <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible joke thank you for laughing i'm so no, sorry good joke. i like jokes i like any joke um, coach, uh, I'm sure you, you have seen it on our social media and stuff like that. We do a thing where we're sponsoring this college cup, right? And the whole concept behind it is I want to encourage, uh, Kentucky schools to play other Kentucky schools. And by golly, you have hit almost all of them. Yes, uh, we did. So talk to me about, from your perspective, by the way, you all are tied for fourth in the standings right now. So okay. very good. All right. Um, Talk to me about, is it important for you to continue to play these interstate teams just to kind of, you know, see where you're at? Or is there some kind of competitive um, nature am, amongst these matches? But you know, why do you keep playing all the interstate schools? Uh,
1: uh, there's a lot of reasons. Um, obviously, it's good competition. Um, so, again, there's there's a lot of really good schools in the in the Commonwealth who play really good soccer. Um uh, there's a lot of Division One teams in Kentucky, um, but there's also a budgetary uh, factor. You know, we can drive to Lexington and play a game and drive home. We can drive to Louisville and play a game and come home. And Bellarmine and EKU uh, and Moorhead State. So, um, you know, resources. I think it's important to really manage your resources well. And uh, we can get good competition within within two hours of NKU. So why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we play? Uh, you know, generally, I mean, there might be a game where we're going to go a little further, but why wouldn't we try to stay within two, three hours of our of our school and play really good competition? Um, and again, it's not as taxing on the student athlete as well. They, they, we're taking them out of class less time. They're back at a, hopefully a reasonable time uh, to plan for the next game. You don't have that excessive uh, fatigue, potentially, if you have a six or eight hour bus trip. So I think there's a lot of reasons that you would want to play, um, you know, close games if 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 they uh, if they can help your your program, and ultimately that's what we're looking for. And they can. Right.
0: John, you got to get another question? Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, I got one more if you want me to go on and ask it. Yeah, you go. You mentioned um, <clears throat> Oakland plays on a grass field. Mm-hmm. Uh, does playing on turf versus playing on grass make a difference for your yourself and your style and your players and how they recover?
1: There was a there was a year that we had we were going a lot from turf to grass to turf to grass, and a couple of our players. This is a few years back. It's not really even any of the current players. Um, they were starting to have some shin splint, not really going into the compartment syndrome, but they were struggling with the, the bouncing to different uh, surfaces. Um, and I'm sure there's studies on those types of things. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. well, yeah, Mentally, um, when you know you're on turf, so, like, in some of the fields that we go to that are so well manicured and so well groomed, it's like playing on turf anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it impacts us uh-huh. in a negative way i don't think it impacts us in a positive way um i just think you just have to go play and these 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 young women and young men have grown up and played on grass they played on turf so they, they've been on all the surfaces anyway so i wouldn't say it's a it's a factor in in, in the in the end result of a game but you know we wanted it we, we do you know at least want to acclimate them to the to the surface in the stadium right got to get used to it, got to get the feel of it if it's fast, if it's slow, if it's bouncy, yeah. et cetera. Sure.
0: Yeah. How um,
2: important, kind of to wrap up some of this, how important is the student aspect still to you of the student-athlete part? It's, you're obviously a college coach. They have to be academically eligible and all that stuff to play, but how, how much do you like focus on that? Like, do you, Have you had times where you've had to, you know, get a player's head in the right space because they're just, they're caring too much about soccer over their schooling. Like how is that handled in the, especially with the weird schedule of women's soccer games at times?
1: Uh, it's critical. We ha- yeah, we've got a great uh, academic staff. Um, you know, our, our freshmen, our, our, our role is you have to be in study table until you get a 3.0 or, or better. And most of our wow. players are in, um, you know, the tougher majors. You know, the biologies, the chemistries, the the health sciences, uh, uh, business. You know, it's business. We have psychology. We have education majors. So a lot of different majors, but uh, it's critical to us. About three years ago, our team GPA was a three point eight two, and that was seventh in the country out of men's and women's NIIA, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. And we felt really proud of that accomplishment. We've had uh, 18 straight uh, years that we've, we've earned the National Team Academic Award. So, you know, when we talk to recruits and, and prospects, it's just not talk, it's, it's real. I mean, I send out texts two or three times a week to our incoming freshmen currently, reminding them what the hours are of the study table. How do we get the hours? And it's important to get the hours. Now, I will back off them, but they're um, just incoming freshmen. And, and, again, sometimes you need to communicate a little bit more for them to understand exactly what the expectation is and what they're supposed to do. And they, they've been fantastic, obviously, because they're, they're super uh, young ladies um, from great families. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's really critical. Again, I mean, we're a mid-major. Uh, let's, let's face it. Our goal is to graduate, to have a positive experience. We want to win some games along the way, certainly. Um, and compete for championships, but uh, but their education is, is is number one, the the most important thing.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we could have a whole another converse, another thirty minutes worth of you know the academic experience for student athletes. I I will have you back on for another day because that would be a lovely yes. conversation. Um, yeah, Coach. We have talked at length on this show about promotion and relegation. Um, can you talk to us about your thoughts on promotion relegation? Do you think it's right for, you know, America, that kind of a thing?
1: I think it'd be amazing. I think it'd be fantastic. Let's go. I, I mean, let's face it. You, you have to have motivation sometimes. So if you're, if your team is motivated, if your ownership group is motivated, you know, you're motivated. You know, if you fail, you get relegated. If you succeed, you go up. And, uh and, you know that's the honestly, it's the American way i mean we're every we're we're competitive by nature and yeah. Uh, uh yeah, yeah I, I think it's I think it would be absolutely fantastic yeah i I fully agree with you like it seems like
0: the most American thing possible <laughs> <But> <laughs> right yet we we're like one of the biggest soccer countries that doesn't have it it right I guess it also seems very American to want to protect your assets and so forth but like come on, like the the spirit of competition should fuel you through that. Do you think that collegiate soccer will ever, and I mean 50, 100 years from now, have promotion and relegation?
1: I don't know. I mean, who knows? Because, again, these power conferences are going to, the resources that, that that they have available to them, um, you know, and if you have football, it, it does trickle, in our case, to women's soccer. Uh, mm-hmm. Big time You know, you're having a you know fifty million dollar a year television contract. I mean, that money does trickle. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a great question. Yeah, I think that would be interesting
0: to see. Like, where do things rank? You know, is the uh, the Horizon League above like? the Ohio Valley conference, right. which is where like, I spent most of my time watching as a youth cause I'm a big Murray state fan. Oh but yeah. Now they're in the Missouri Valley. Right. So yeah. where do these conferences that are at that mid major level, where do they rank? <sighs> I would love to see some of that statistical data and figure that out. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which John, did you have another question? Sorry, but,
2: um, that's uh, have in general because you've coached for so long and type stuff. How are there any notable like additions of your coaching tree or players that have gone elsewhere that have also had success? You know, we're focusing on Kentucky and stuff, but you've been in the helm 20, 25 years or so. You've got to have probably some coaches out there that have been under you or at other places. So just like for our fans and stuff to hear how you've influenced maybe the wider game.
1: We've had we've had really we've had a lot of loyalty in our program. As I said, Terry's been with me for 20 years. Steve's been 12 years. Our One of our former coach, Danielle, she just couldn't do it anymore. She was a high school English teacher and raising three kids. so She's she's still very supportive. So uh, not necessarily in terms of developing players. Probably the best player that I've ever coached. Well, one of the best uh, is Heather Metz. Heather played on the on the U.S. national team. She was a three-time Olympian. Uh, played for about thirteen years, and so she played for me at San Academy. And so she's a tremendous uh, woman and uh, a great speaker. And uh, uh, so, the, so it was a, obviously a great opportunity to to be able to coach somebody that ends up in on the U.S. national team for twelve or thirteen years. So, yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Coach, what are your thoughts on racing Louisville and the impact that they've kind of had on either your program or just women's soccer in Kentucky in general?
1: Uh, I mean, the youth team has really done a great job. You know, they've, got, they've joined the uh, – uh, I'm drawn, they're with Ohio Elite, uh, they've drawn the, joined the ECNL. Um, they're doing an incredible job uh, developing players. Uh, facilities are amazing. Um, so they're going to continue to, to develop more and more uh, top elite players. There's no doubt about it. So uh, absolutely a a tremendous impact they've had. Yeah. Do you guys like ever go and like scrimmage them or anything like that? Uh, No, no, but we, 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 we try to, you know, we try to recruit, they'll, they'll come up and play Ohio elite. They'll play, you know, the, the, um, some of the clubs, uh, um, in the area. So yes, they, 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 they do a really great job in their development.
0: John, you got one more question in you, or we want to let him go? I I think I'm all good. Um,
2: th- thank you for coming on. It's been an honor. You truly are like a like I've said. And you're a legendary head coach. You you know you're you got in the Ohio Valley Conference Hall of Fame, was it? Uh, we were in the Great Lakes Valley Conference. Great Great Lakes, Great Lakes Valley. Sorry, too, there's too many Valley conferences. There are Great <laughs> Lakes, Ohio,
0: Missouri. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of it, but then there's the, the river state conference, like
2: yeah, it's, but you know, you've are a pioneer for this sport in this, in this, in the Commonwealth and all that type of stuff. So it was really a true honor to have you on this show.
1: Well, John, we're heading back up to uh, your neck of the woods um, and we're going to pick up some buddy's pizza in your honor.
2: Listen, listen, personally, (laughs) I'd rather you get jets. Oh, really? Okay. I, Buddies is actually. I went to Berea College, so I'm poor. So buddies was a little too expensive sometimes <laughs> for my family. So that's where Jets came in. Jets was a little okay. more type of thing. Yeah. But that, or you got to have a get them some coney dogs.
1: Some coney dogs, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure Coney Island.
2: Game. I'm not, not I'm pre-game, sure.
0: <laughs> but oh, that would be fun.
2: But maybe post-game type stuff. Uh, Oakland is a that is very much my neck of the woods. I, I have quite a few friends that went to that
0: school and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, coach where can, It's uh, nice. They, people they nice. keep up with the Norris, especially on that trip to Oakland.
1: I'm sorry. I lost you, Jimmy.
0: Oh, my apologies. I said, where can people keep up with the Norris, especially on that trip up to Oakland this week?
1: Oh, Matt does a tremendous job. Our, our sports information director, he's tremendous. He'll, he'll have stuff out on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, or X, all that kind of
0: stuff. That's- hey, we still call it Twitter. Well, <laughs> yeah.
2: it, it's going kind of right. to always be Twitter. No one's going to call yeah. it X. <laughs> well,
0: we say that, but give like the, like two or three years and even the kids will be saying X because that's all they will have ever known. Yeah, maybe. All right, Coach, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. We wish you and the, all the Norse the best of luck this rest of this year. And hey, keep winning, and you never know, John and I may show up with a giant trophy to present to you all at the end of the year, okay?
1: That'd be amazing, Jimmy and John. Thank you. You've been tremendous. Absolutely. Thank you very much.
2: No problem. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Ooh, that was fun, John.
2: Yeah, that was good. It's good. I mean, very good interview. I, I'm the coaching thing. I'm honestly surprised by. Yeah. This coach coaching treat, like, I guess I was like. You're for twenty five years. You didn't have. You don't have. And this is no knock to him. It's yeah. actually a really good honor that you've kept coaches around that long. There's just you never had one coach who's like, I want to see if I could do it and go. And I'm
0: sure he's th- had like GAs or something that have gone on. But like, I feel like a GA team... is
2: being a GA is one thing. Like that. Like that's the mentality of. Oh, I'm maybe I'll be here for like as an official role. But right. GA like, is the very much of like trying to build from somewhere type thing. It's like it's a stepping block position versus a like
0: coaching one. And speaking of coaching and stepping blocks and building blocks, uh, John, let's go off the top this week, like officially going off the top. And big breaking news yesterday morning, a Sunday morning news dump, if you will. Um, Lexington Sporting Club coach Sam Sam Stockley steps down from his head coaching role uh, into the permanent full-time role as sporting director and they name um, Nacho uh, as the interim... Yes, Nacho Novo. Sorry, I was looking for his last name and I couldn't find it if you couldn't tell. Uh, Nacho Novo as the interim coach. John, this is big news. What are your thoughts? This is very big
2: news. Uh, I will say... And uh, this is just my sort of gut reaction to this. Um, it, I feel like this move is very one. I never thought Stockley was going to be the coach long term, specifically because he was doing sporting director role at the same time. And he was first brought in as our sporting director. He wasn't like brought in as a coach and they, really, no, he was always in as the sporting director. And speaking to him, Like during at the game, he was just hanging out on the concourse um, during the weather delay. And this is our personally my favorite weather delay because it barely rained. It was like lightning (laughs) on the edge type thing. So I was like, I'll take that. It's not raining. Granted, we had to wait two hours for the game, but it's not raining. It's not like you're getting soaked and that type of thing. And we're just talking and he with me and Tyler from uh, Crane Cat Deluxe and he's just stating like how he doesn't, he needs to be able to focus more on the touring director. He's said this time and time again how he wants to build this like core team type of thing, this club that's really like youth driven, uh, like is going to develop talent, that sort of thing. They're not going to be like the other clubs there are. Just so much turnover in this league. It's like a core group of guys. You know, if we do have turnover, it's going to be every few years, not like basically bringing, bringing in 15 guys a year type of thing. Um, But it was because like he, and he gave an example, they've had like eight or nine Academy kids train with the senior team this year. And he hasn't. And he's like in his his mind, when I do that as, as the sporting director, he should be able to give them like a list. I think he called it an ID thing to go back to their, the U19 or the U17 or the, whatever team they came from to know how to develop. All right. This is how, if you want to like fully make the jump to the senior team, this is what we, this is what you need to go back and work on. This is that type of thing, how he can connect it all, that sort of thing. And it coincides with uh, his family's officially over here and getting settled. His like daughter and son are both getting into schools, that sort of thing. Um, Thank you, Michael. It's the uh, individual development plan, IDPs. Um, what was that? And I also think the move at this point in the season was because Saturday night, three playoff teams were solidified in the league uh, with Omaha, NOCO, and uh, North Carolina all <laughs> clinching. And Greenville beat Knoxville. But... So it was both... Both sucks. I'd rather have Greenville win than Knoxville, in my nope. opinion, because I hate Knox. We hate Knoxville ball, we hate, we hate Greenville. both
0: yeah. I hate Greenville. Stamp it.
2: Anyways. Um so going into that match last night, we were eleven points out with five games and there was only three spots left. So it was just kind of the thing of I'm not saying they gave up. It just became like mm-hmm not impossible but very very like you had to have a lot of stuff go a lot of games go your way yeah. other matches and your own games go your way to even make it and i even spoke with charlie after the game about this type of thing like i've said to everyone if we're, our goal my goal right now as a fan is the fans we need to finish ahead of tormenta we're finished we're right now ahead of richmond and red wolves we need to finish ahead of tormenta we've and we have a finish ahead of the three teams that had the best seasons last year, depending on how you judge them. The three best teams' seasons last year. And not dead last, like literally every single thing picked us to pick. There was, I think it was USL Tactics put out his mid year graphic, granted, he did, or the preseason graphic, granted, he did say this could change, but it said like 0% chance at playoffs. Granted, Are we going to make the playoffs? Probably not. Very slim chance that we are. I've come to that thing. But the fact that we didn't even have a chance, like zero, true 0% chance at the start of the year before we played even a game, and we now are, uh, ideally, I'm wanting us to finish at least eighth or seventh. Then that's, I think that's the success. It's a building block type of thing. We've ourselves in my opinion we've been one of the more unlucky sides. Um our write-ups some of our previews didn't go out this week because of multitude of different things. But um I said it in when I wrote it up that on paper us and Charlotte are very similar. And Charlotte is in my opinion they were just they're more lucky than us. We're very much the same squad as Charlotte very similar type of how we build and how we attack is just Charlotte gets stuff to go their way. Like, in the game last night, to equalize, they got the ball because Foxy slipped. Like, yep. he just he, he didn't make a mistake, he just lost his footing. Like yeah, it
0: wasn't a, a domination by any stretch of the imagination, it was just a simple slip, like you said, and that's the difference. Yeah.
2: That's, and that's what happens sometimes, but we're it's truly, he's building off stuff, and Nacho is arguably the most famous person associated with the club. Um, for those that don't know, he's a he's in Rangers of Scotland's Hall of Fame. Like he, this man is like next level type of thing. He is really famous in Scotland, obviously, because he played for Rangers for so long, all that sort of jazz. And so this is, I think, is a trial run for him because he still are. I don't see him if he, like, even if he crashes and burns and we, like, suck. I don't see that happening, but we suck <laughs> these next few games. I don't see it's like they're going to get rid of him because he's also our, one of our – he's, like, our lead youth coach. Like, he coaches the U23s and stuff like that. So I think – um in general, this is more of a trial run for him for the senior head coaching job, not in the sense of sh- are we keeping you around sort of thing. Is it, was a, it was an internal hire or not? And I think so far he's off to a good foot. T- Two-hour rain delay in the middle of warm-ups is when it's the weather del- delay started. You know, you're know, you playing against the, a, t- a playoff team the fourth Place playoff team right now who has experienced that sort of thing, who has, in my opinion, the best keeper in the league, st- who stopped our only penalty of the year. We've only missed one penalty, and it was that one last night, and we didn't miss it. It got saved. It got
0: saved, yeah.
2: So it, it's a good step and so And I think we'll really see it against the Red Wolves of like how what Nacho Ball can look like because he's. <laughs> The Red Wolves, to no secret, are officially eliminated from the playoffs. So are Fuego and... Well, they've Richmond.
0: been officially eliminated since, they like, got
2: official. No, they got officially eliminated this weekend. Same as how... And the league tweeted this on, like, Saturday morning. With, like, five games to go, no team had technically clinched yet. And I was like, you're joking, right? <laughs> but, I guess... It took one match to statistically clinch some mm. people. Um, but it's going to be a building block. We're playing some good teams over this. We're playing Madison and North Carolina and Greenville with Chattanooga in there. So it's going to be all games that I think we can win, too. So it's going to be interesting what see. We didn't see that much change um, from him. In terms of the starting lineup, where uh, we saw the return of Frankie, who has been dealing with an injury, I th- is a bit of how he didn't play, and Frankie played a great game. Um, Pierre Monet is really coming out and showing that he, he can. He's our midfielder of the future. Um, either pairing him with Charlie or Delamini, like he is, he's been balling out.
0: He seems like a nice building block piece, you know. Like, I don't know if he's at that level of like ready to start every match the rest of the season, but I would start him the rest of the season to let him build up a little bit more, get just a little more experience, so that he can uh, jump into that role next year.
2: Yeah, and he's been starting more. It's the curious cases. I'm very, I'm very curious to see what players will. Leave, and that's the thing, Lex fans. You got to understand, we're going to lose some players.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's going to happen. The league is notorious for turnover. As much as I love the youth the season he's having, same with like Trevor Amon, I don't see them staying around. Now, the youth could be on a longer than a one-year deal type of thing, and that could be we make some money off of him. Mm-hmm. But he did come down from San Antonio to play for us. He could be going back up. And that's the sort of thing when you're in these lower tier, you have a player that's going off. That's what's going to happen. And this is why pro Real needs to exist because the players then themselves can be like, well, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to bring yeah. this club up. Yeah. But, you know, I could see the youth leaving. I could see some other players leaving just because of playing time things. Like we have 23, 24 guys on the roster. You can only do 18 certain mm-hmm. ones have featured more than others. Um, a multitude of different things I could see them leave for. We, I know there are some on uh, more than a one year deal, but I don't know which ones, so we'll really see. But I would just, it's going to be interesting, and I it's gonna, just enjoy the ride for the rest of the year because it's also going to be your last Lex fans who are true. Soccer fans in Kentucky, you're going to be going into your last, like, normal off season where there's no soccer. Because come next year, uh, we have three teams playing instead of two, with the men playing in the summer and the women who's going to be playing in the fall. So, we, I think, yeah. we get like a month of January off. They're like taking that off for weather purposes or hmm. something like that. I heard from the Super League, but. It's gonna basically be soccer twenty four uh, year round in Lexington.
0: Let's so. go. Very excited for that. Uh, you know, and kind of my thoughts on the transaction of, you know, Coach Stockley, you know, stepping down as coach, etc. I, I think it has also been in the works, kinda of like what you said, John. Um, every time I've seen Coach Stockley, he has always talked about um, you know, hey, these young guys are really good, or hey, have you seen this young guy? Like that just seems to be more of what he is interested in and where he wants to spend his time right now. So I think it just makes sense that, you know, he led the team in and through the first year, um, and now you know, turning it over to Nacho and kind of see what happens the rest of this year i would love to see him get a chance next year and you know have the full off season to turn the roster around make additions as needed uh, because i think he could be a very successful coach here Uh, and i would love to see that consistency i mean you know i don't think by any stretch of the imagination is the team not making the playoffs a indictment on coach stockley as a as a coach like that, that's not a realistic thought. And if you think that, you need to reevaluate your fandom a little bit there. Um, yeah, because, like, go, go for it.
2: Um, you want to reevaluate your fandom in general about this team. Because one of the things are, and some people might get annoyed by me because I am a little vocal on social media sometimes with some people, is I don't accept bad, and I've, this is across all sports, I don't accept bad arguments or just throwing stuff <laughs> out. because it was a, after the Greenville straw, someone posted in the Railroads group. It was like, this is poor coaching or whatever. I just simply asked, how is it poor coaching? And they just don't answer me. Type of That's thing. when you know so you that, got somebody. Well, and here's the thing. Think logically with your head sometimes. I am a person now. I didn't grow up playing soccer, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe, from just my point of view, soccer, when you're actually coaching the game, when a game's going on, you're not a coach. You're a manager in that situation. The coaching is everything prior to that. Whereas in the game, you're really just managing players' health. And there's some set-piece coaching that goes on. You might call it like their number thing or whatever you want. But really, it's just you're picking the right time for a sub or you might be picking the right time to switch two players to in the formation. Like you drop back and say, this guy, when this guy attacks, that sort of thing. And then it's halftime. During actual games, I fully believe coaches have very minimal impact outside of substitutions. Because Agreed. Agreed. unlike football, unlike basketball, they don't you don't have timeouts, one. Nope. And you really, the only way you can make an impact is with a sub. Now, they do have those things where you can, like, pass off, like, a player card or they give them a little piece of paper type thing. They do have that. But beyond that, that's really not that much. If you actually listen to coaches on the sideline, even keepers are the same way. They're just shouting that same stuff that if you grew up playing any sport, you're like, I am doing that.
0: Move up, move up. You know, drop back, drop back. Yeah,
2: together, adjust. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for saying the
0: obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I do sometimes get tickled when it's like, yeah, no, no, no s. Like, of course they need to push higher when you know you've got them on the ropes. Like, yeah, no, no
2: s. Oh, we, I, we, the railbirds love to make fun of whatever, a waykeeper is biased at the time. So we won't do the stupid, like, England stuff where they're, like, cussing at them or calling them, a mm. the you know, the W word in England that Ted Lasso famously got chanted at him and then the uh, former owner, all that type of stuff. But we, like, just make fun of what they're saying because <laughs> it was something like... It was something that was like like uh Matt, get on him get on him. I was like yeah you should get on him do that <laughs> like it's mm. funny it's just funny.
0: indeed indeed so big breaking news from from last night you know we of course we think coach is going to do great in the sporting director role i really hope nacho could you know just show that he is capable of leading the team the rest of this year and hopefully he gets a shot next year um But, John, with that now, we'll head to the bottom line and we'll kind of talk about all of our our team's actions from this past week. We'll actually start in Lexington and kind of recapping the action from last night. Um, A 2-2 draw, a late-night affair on a Sunday night. Um, John, kind of recap for us what happened in that matchup.
2: Uh, So I've briefly talked about this already, but um, I think it was about 30... And it was either 30 or 20 minutes prior to kickoff. So they're in their warm-up period. Uh, the weather delay happens. And like I said, it wasn't raining. It was just lightning around the area. Uh, so they go into a weather delay till 8.55 was the kickoff. Like, they didn't do walkouts. They just, like, went right into it. Um, the game started off kind of sluggish by so both, both teams. teams. Mm-hmm. and then Nico gets fouled in the 20th or so minute inside the box the youth takes the PK Pack saves it which I've said this Insane before I think. save it was one it was a great save because he he fell too high and he got his hand up yep to save it that's in my opinion where they like are dropping and they had to get their hand up is the hardest type saves. Because if they're dropping down, you can see the ball under you, type thing is a little easier than like trying to guess where you have to place your hand over your body.
0: Yeah. I, I was um, going to say, it's very lucky that he, that he got it because it just hit him right in the arm. Like if his arm well, went a little further one direction, that's it.
2: The skill of PK saves is figuring out which way the guy will go. That's mm-hmm. my opinion. That's the thing. thing. That's the right. skill of it. It was like, which way is this guy going? The luck of it is that even if you guess the right way, do you guess the right angle and spot and that type of thing like how many times will we seen guys go the exact same way and they just hammer it past them yep. and stuff like that or it's they guess low and they went high. It's so hard to stop. and like I said, it was the first penalty kick that's been stopped by Lexington all or stopped penalty kick of Lex that's been stopped all year. The questionable thing happened after this because Nico got the rebound. He sent it over to Balagun, and they said he was offsides. I don't know how you can be offsides when Nico's like two yards off the line and Balagun came in. I don't know if it was the oof, but the oof didn't factor into the goal. It was questionable in general. The code-
0: no keeper interference or anything like that either, was there?
2: No. So. Yeah. Pack okay. dives, makes a save. It bounces towards what would be, if you're looking at the goal, the right side of the goal. Nico comes in, taps it like path under Pack again, and Balogun taps it in, and then they call it offsides. Um, so I don't know if like the youth and Balogun are both around there. The youth is a little in front of him, so I was like maybe the youth is off. But th- typically you don't call offsides if the offsides player didn't factor into the play uh I've there's seen
0: them doing i've seen officials calling that more often though there was a a near miami game a couple of months ago in the the leagues cup where they had one called off for that exact reason there was it wasn't interference but it was um like that same kind of jumbled up in the box and they said somebody was offside
2: yeah so i don't That's where the thing is, I'm like, you got to be careful as a ref because you have to, like, 100% know for sure. And that's also where I don't agree with if they're not – I don't agree with calling a player offsides if they never contribute to the play. Because there's
0: there's famous cases where,
2: like – there's famous cases where possession will switch really fast Mm -hmm. and the player's just caught in transition, and they will just stand there because they know if they, like, play – that they'll, it counts as interference. And you'll see a player just stand there and wait till the and ball freeze. gets past him or someone else gets past him because they know I can't interact with the ball. And offsides isn't called, but now this was called. So I don't fully know. The ref thing was a little questionable all game. Um, in general, it was a little physical game. There was a moment where Green uh, in the corner, it kind of collided hard with a player. And sent him into the boards. It wasn't like he fit first. Pers- like it's not like he it, he didn't like purposely do it. Just kind of like it Like like this guy was charging down. Green came over, type of thing. Um, what was question about that was that like it took thirty seconds for the yellow card to came out.
0: It did take and, a while.
2: And like um, by rule it's supposed to be within six or ten seconds because you can't because the player was hurt. Like, he crashed with the boards. Those boards aren't, like, plastic. They're made of metal. Um, And the ruling is it's supposed to be based on the foul, not based on the severity of injury. Because you can get hurt really bad by barely being touched type of thing. It can happen. And, like, I, even, I didn't hear what the ref said. I heard what Charlie said to him of, like, Charlie came over after the yellow cover show, and it was, he didn't even argue anything. He was like, why so long?
0: <laughs> yeah, why like, so why long to show the long? yellow?
2: So I couldn't see what the ref said because his back was turned to me, and he said it very quietly. But uh, in general, the game was interesting. Lexington goes down at half. They come back. Uh, Monet gets his goal. We get an own goal in the same way we got our – the Richmond own goal based almost like like identical to it. (laughs) Um, And then Fox slips. Like I'm saying this, this is like no fault to Fox type of thing. His cleat probably grabbed in the turf or something like that. And and, uh, Kelly gets the ball, has 15 to 20 yards of just being able to build up practically one-on-one with Knight and that's what equalizes it that's honestly the hardest one-on-ones is when the the runner has 10 15 yards of space to figure stuff out um it just happens uh but we got we were equal uh we it's another series split for us that's like this let's see we split fuego we split Elco, where we had to beat North Carolina to split them we technically split Omaha we've split basically almost every team besides Knoxville Knoxville's the only <laughs> as much as it sucks it's the only season series we've lost yeah is the Knoxville so it's kind of crazy then it just shows you like how can how consistent this team has been. Because that's saying we've gotten Mm -hmm. four points. Granted, the other team's also got four points out of us. But we've gotten four points from every single matchup, but one.
0: And I think that's something very important for Lexington fans to take away from this year in general. Like, you are very, very competitive. Like, this is not a traditional first year where you come out and you just lay eggs all over the field. And you get beat four or five, nothing in every match. Like what Coach Stockley has built here so far has been very impressive. Like it's been a really good roster. They've made the best of what they had. Um, and, and I think it should be something to be celebrated. You know, and John, if they can do like you want them to do and finish ahead of Tormenta uh, plus everyone else that's already below them, like that's going to be really Im- quite impressive.
2: Yes, I want them to finish ahead of Tormenta and Knoxville. Uh, they play each other again, so it can be doable, but it will be like the, the whoever loses that match will be the mm-hmm. one that we need to finish in front of. Yeah. Um, I would love to finish ahead of especially Knoxville, but I would prefer Tormenta just because they are defending champs. And if, listen here, if any Tormenta flight crew, if you're listening to this, You're going to be, and you want to come at me like you did back when we went down there. You're going to be the first reigning champions to miss the playoffs if you do. Granted, they technically could still get in it, but if they miss, they'd be the first reigning champions. The kickers are already the first regular season champions to miss the playoffs the next year. If Tormenta doesn't make the playoffs, they're going to be the first, like, playoff champ to miss in league history.
0: What did you say their fan supporter section was called?
2: They're called a flight crew. It doesn't
0: matter what they're called because we're gonna go down there. We're gonna get that victory. We're gonna win the series this season. Facing Tormenta eventually, whenever we play them again, we're gonna get it. We're gonna beat them next time
2: because we played for some reason in the season series. We played Tormenta like
0: three times in the first three
2: times in two months. Yeah. Type of thing. So next it was like time, like the Omaha series, we played. It was like it, both games are within four games. I was like, but yeah. however, we are the last team to beat Omaha so far. So let's go. <laughs> last team so, to beat Omaha, and the kickers are on a twelve-match winless streak,
0: and they haven't beat us yet. So or they the didn't beat us did to beat lose it. that streak. To beat the streak, dang it! Beat Let me street, finish now. So. Come at us, all fans of League One teams. Bring it on, especially Greenville. Greenville, you can, you can f off. I don't know
2: why you it you is. are picking a psychotic man on Twitter to deal with with Geo from Greenville. You're talking about the man that has said pastas, pastas, with ticket for cheese, but all pastas suck.
0: I don't see no haters, John. I'd only see motivators. Let's go. Speaking of which, let's move on to our uh, our next team here. Uh, we're going to go in reverse order here, John. So let's talk about Racing Louisville, who had a very um, disappointing loss over this weekend, dropping a match at home to the Houston Dash 1-0. Um, and this really was a major body blow to their playoff hopes. Um, With only 24 points left, currently two points shy of the playoffs, yes, it is still mathematically possible for them to get in, of course. But with only three games left, racing is in a pickle, and this team did not look motivated. They didn't look like the same team we've been watching over the last month that was really energetic, that was really pressing. Um, uh, those upper division teams, you know, the, the OL Reign, the Portland, etc. cetera, even in that loss to North Carolina, like they still played really well. They played awful against Houston. Yep. They
2: are back <laughs> to not finishing. Sorry, I was eating. Yes. They are back to not finishing. Um, I spoke with, uh, there's a pl- member of the Railbirds who's also a season ticket holder of racing. He's very yeah. active in there. Uh, he's a board member of the Lavender Legion. Uh, Chris Kale, Klein, Klein. I think it's Klein. Um, Chris,
0: feel free to come on the show. We'd love to have
2: you. Um, Sorry. You're he, good. He, he stated that they couldn't finish to save their lives in this game. This is a man who was there the whole time. I only, only manage to watch highlights because I close Same. on Fridays, so it was hard for me to watch the Game in full. Um, they weren't from highlights. Even they weren't finishing the Lund again. Not barely even made a mistake. She didn't really made a mistake. She just got beat. Yeah,
0: she played really good. I mean, yeah, exactly what you said, John. Like she just got beat. Like it wasn't a bad performance by her in any stretch of the imagination. She played solid. There was another chance um, that Houston had uh, late in the game that could have put them up two nothing. That she made a save. So you know.
2: there's a part of me that just thinks that their luck is uh running out.
0: Oh, that's gonna break my heart, John. I don't I've fallen don't, for this racing team. Like I want them to make it.
2: I'm not even saying luck, that they're just they're they they're gassed. They've run yeah. I think they were riding so much momentum, especially with the wins over Portland and OL. Of just pushing it, that they got a little gas. The yeah, no, uh, losing North Carolina kind of like sunk them a bit, type of thing. And they were they were running a good high at home. It happens, type of thing. The Dash apparently have their number right now. They do. They beat them in
0: the Challenge Cup in the last match of that, like in the group stage of that.
2: So it's gonna be very interesting to me, of how they can bounce back from it. Um, Like you said, it's getting really tight as it's going. They are in ninth, but they are still two points out of the playoffs, so it's not out of the question, but it's going to be hard with three matches left. They need to make sure not like you have to win everything, technically. But they need to like be all in these next three matches. Or it's going to be another year without playoffs.
0: Now, they do face Chicago in their next match. So that, in theory, should be an easy win. Like That, that should be they a team do. that they should be able to beat.
2: They will, I will say it. Two of their next three games are against the two worst teams in the league, and they play Orlando, who is above them. Yep. So they do need, I, racing fans, if you're listening to this, you need to pay attention to one, the dash, because the dash are just a point behind you. Yep. But mainly Angel City and Orlando, Mm -hmm. as well as the Washington Spirit. But, uh,. I, wait, 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 wait! Did I read that wrong.
0: What?
2: Uh, no, sorry, they're not playing two of the worst teams. No, they're
0: playing. I was gonna get you. in Sorry,
2: sorry. They're playing San Diego. I thought yeah, that it was, was number KC. two. No. So they're playing San Diego at the last game of the year, and I think San Diego has solidified their playoff spot. And they may not have clinched yet, but they're. I think they're safe.
0: The, so they, San Diego is tied compete. with Gotham for third. San Diego does have the advantage right now, but both have 30 points. So, two matches between now and then, yeah, San Diego could easily lock that up. And, you know, maybe it gives racing a chance to, to jump up. But I, I think, you know, for racing fans, the most important thing is making the playoffs, right? secondarily right behind there, in my opinion, kind of similar to our conversations with Lexington, is finishing ahead of Angel City. Like I think that is a big morale boost. I mean, not to get into moral victories or anything like that, but I think that would be a big boost to the team and a big boost to the supporter sections to just say like, hey, Angel City, you have billionaires as your, your funding sources and so forth, and yet Racing Louisville was still able to finish above you in the table. But I really think they're going to beat Chicago. uh, And then it's going to come down to that match after that against Orlando. Winner of that, if there's a winner, probably going to make the playoffs. And then who knows what happens on that final day of the year, um, October 15th for Racing Louisville. So. Any final thoughts on racing, John? They need to
2: get back to what they were doing. Truly yep. go out and attack. Finish what you need to be start doing. Lund needs to stay consistent. As a whole, they need to be consistent. I'm very curious to how this international break is going to affect them. Because they can't take any player having any sort of injury that might yep. happen. Types I of think...
0: I think this break's gonna be good for them. I think this is exactly what they need. Soft reset everything and then come back, knock out Chicago, like just knock them out, literally, and just get in, get ready for that fight with Orlando for potentially that final playoff spot and hope that San Diego's got everything locked up by the last match of the year. But with John, we'll close out our pro teams today talking about Lou City, um, who had a great Um, performance on saturday night with a 1-0 victory over san diego Uh, wilson harris had a very early uh, fifth minute goal providing the difference allowing blue city uh, to you know be on the front foot the entire rest of the game because they had already had that goal Um, harris's strike um, provided them confidence and it really boosted uh, morale of the team you could see it from watching the game or watching the highlights like how excited everybody was but more importantly from what I noticed it forced San Diego to have to open up more and I think that was the difference in the match San Diego from that point on from the fifth minute onward was chasing and Lou City just ate him up and um, The goalkeeper Oliver uh, He was excellent uh, making five key saves at different points throughout the match, getting his 12th clean sheet of the season. Um, and you know San Diego's put a lot of goals on a lot of teams, but they couldn't figure out him. They couldn't figure out Lou City. Now San Diego did have some chances, especially late in the second half, but it was a really good performance, a massive victory. Uh, keeping Lou City in fourth place, still just one point clear of Memphis for that final um, playoff hosting spot. But you know, a, a big bounce back performance as well. You know, it was great to see them. You know, come back from that um, poor performance. Um, you know, veteran uh, Del Piccolo he played really well um, in helping secure the three points. Uh, but I think at this point we can say. Lucidity is getting more and more tested. They're establishing their formula for victory. They've got to figure out how to start fast and how to just rely on their defense to the end of the match and not let in any late goals.
2: Um, yeah, I would say how it is. Um, I think Lou was very fortunate in this one to get the goal by Harris because, granted, it was so early it's hard to judge The true game plan of the team when you get an early goal. But outside of that, it didn't feel like trying to get a second, really. Mm -hmm. They very much parked the bus after that, which I'm a little concerned about because what happens if a slip happens with the parking of the bus? Like, you still, I'm okay with parking the bus, but not for a whole game. You need to try at least the rest of the first half to get a second one.
0: It was only for 85 minutes, John. It wasn't the whole game.
2: But they've done well to now. I think they're they're still almost like Memphis is just a point behind them, but they're holding strong to, to a playoff game. And at this point, if Memphis makes it at fifth, it's going to be a very interesting playoff game because that's a very doable trip Yes, for Memphis. Yeah. Um, So they need to hold out strong to get playoff games. Now they're going up against the true Miami team.
0: um, Don't you dare disgrace inner Miami like that. Miami FC is going to close in a couple of years, and we will celebrate when we open Freedom Park down in Miami.
2: Yeah, is Messi going to be watching his academy kids instead of playing in that game too?
0: Hey, to Messi's credit, he said, or somebody in his camp said, he's not going to play on turf. They played one of the teams that only play on turf. And what happens? He stuck to his guns.
2: It's what happens when Freedom Park has turf?
0: I will literally have a heart attack. <laughs> It's bad enough, like, so I'm a Tennessee Titans fan for American football, right? It's bad enough that we now have turf, and I don't understand why we have turf now. I guess because when we move into the next stadium, it's going to be turf, so it's just part of a transition period. I was trying to go to coaching to, to giving me a little bit on that with my question of, you know, turf versus grass, but he was like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. B.S. coach, B. Well, S- no,
2: I think, I think that his credit, it was a good point of that there is so many players who aren't playing, uh, who are going back and forth between grass, turf, that sort of thing. I think, and turf is becoming more common at the lower leagues. It is. Because as much as I would rather everyone play on grass, grass is way more costly to maintain. And literally the reason, like, my high school went to a turf field is because statistically – It costs so much to put to install it, but the cost of it would all got offset within six years of not having to pay the landscaping crew or the cost with watering and mowing it and all that type of stuff. Within six years, it was offset,
0: and I get that,
2: like how much they were,
0: especially from a school setting. Like, your budgets, especially for athletics or anything, are razor thin. Like, I totally understand it. But there is inherently more injuries that happen on turf than happen on grass. Yes, most of that data is from American football, which is an inherently more aggressive, more of a physical sport, especially with head injuries and stuff like that. But keepers get kicked in the head. Uh, players head the ball in, uh, you know they can their heads can still bounce off the turf, um, and they don't have anything. You know, soccer players don't have any kind of protection. You know, very few of the uh, keepers will wear that like padding, but that's very very few and far between. So, I- I'm just a big all grass guy.
2: I am too. And I think at professional levels, it does need to be there. Um, there is some movement to get away from some of that stuff. Like, um, there is, I don't know if it's in America per se, I think it is at youth ranks. You can't do heading. Um, there's some American leagues that aren't, you can't do it until 13. In Europe, it's you can't do it till you're at least wow. 12, and that's like. It's a, it's a head injury thing, and actually they're, pay attention to some of the UEFA stuff because there's a, it's either a UEFA U15 tournament or a Bundesliga <laughs> U15 tournament that is doing some experimental rules. So for those who don't know, like VAR came out of like a youth experimental thing type of thing. A lot of these rules that they just bring in and say we're doing have been experimented on at the lower youth ranks. Um, so they're exploring like no throw-ins, but you can like kick it in. Uh, they're exploring um, moving subs, so similar to mm-hmm. hockey, where the player has to get like so well, close. Well, college kind of does the, that,
0: you know. Like it, it is more of a traditional break. They
2: don't do the. Tra- they don't do the. They don't do the sub windows. Yeah. they just they let you. sub And whenever. you can sub out and um, back in too. Yeah. But uh, they're doing that, like, moving uh, subs type of thing where all you have to do is get real close to the sideline and the person can go in. Which I think that should be more of it. That's one I think that is very doable. I understand the whole announcing of it type thing, but it, sh- it doesn't need to be waved on. The catalyst with it is the, uh, the player who's getting subbed out has to run off. So... That way, you it's not like you're not really getting an right. advantage if you're just making it moving. Now you could pl- do a like smart play type thing, but um, and, but yeah, pay attention to those. But to bring it back to loose City, uh, they have a good chance these last six games.
0: Is it? Uh, five games. Five um,
2: matches. F- five matches they played. A, quite a few non-playoff teams in there. They got Hartford. They got Miami. Uh, they do play Tampa again to end the year. But Hartford, Loudon, Miami, I think New Mexico. Let me double check
0: New Mexico. I, I didn't write down the exact uh, opponents, yeah. but uh, it is five games left. Three of them are on the road, including what you were mentioning, John. There at Tampa, or no? I'm sorry. No, that game will be at home. Never mind. Totally lied there.
2: Yes, they play the next three matches yep. on the road and then they finish off two at home. Um, that, that Tampa game could be very interesting. They do not, as of right now, Tampa is their only playoff opponent. Every other team is not in the playoffs. So this is really a chance where you can solidify home field. And even maybe depending on how other teams do, solidify even more mm-hmm. home field. Because... Technically speaking, if you're fourth, you really only secure one game.
0: Unless, you know, uh, six, seven, or eight, make it all the way down, and you could host the championship game. Yeah.
2: Statist- yeah. Statistically, you're only hosting one. You're only guaranteed one. So, we'll see. They very much have the shot at this three mat- these three games on the road are going to be interesting, because they've struggled a little of late on the road, but it'll be this is the time to show it. You have the five games where you really need to show that they are they isn't aren't they on an Eastern Conference final streak? Several two? in a
0: row. I don't remember. is it three in a row, I believe.
2: yeah, th- this is the time to prove that you don't want that streak to die that like your little stumbling month or so is yep. it was that. It was a stumbling. and
0: month. the rest of the the matches that Lucidity plays. All the opponents, except for Tampa, obviously, right, are 10th or lower in the standing. So that is.
2: Yeah, so they're not even like yeah. questionable, like outside, just outside the bubble. They are very much yep. down in the cellar. Now, what is the West? Where How far is New Mexico out of eighth?
0: I, I did not look.
2: Because I know the West, is a, the West is a lot more tight than the East. I know that.
0: Uh, is New Mexico in 10th? Um, Does that sound right?
2: yeah they're in the 10th uh, they are four points
0: out. Wow, you're right in tenth place and you're but only like, four points out. Jeez yeah
2: Miami seven Dead to me. Loudon is 11 and Hartford is 20 out of eighth. so
0: <laughs> good God.
2: And you play Hartford right before you play Tampa.
0: What a perfect time for Hartford to ruin the season for Lou City. Don't do it. Stranger things um, have happened. Indeed. John, just kind of closing up my thoughts here on, on Lou City. I truly mean that if they can replicate the composure that they had in this match, they can bottle up the <coughs> effort that they put into this and take that on the road, I think Lou City still has a great chance at making a deep playoff run. But, John, that is a big if. Um, I think they're they're obviously going to get fourth place, in my opinion, unless something catastrophic happens. You know, a, a loss to Hartford, uh, uh, a, somehow a loss to that woeful team down in Dade County, um, etc. But the real Miami, get out of here! They're not the real Miami. Real Miami fans, real Miami love- team sh- plays in Fort Lauderdale. For now, we're coming, baby, we're coming. We're just not there yet.
2: Let's just see here. Miami FC, first season.
0: Doesn't matter.
2: 2016. Inter-Miami
0: first season. 2020. Hmm. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Everyone knows that Messi and Inter-Messi, I mean Inter-Miami, are coming. Ah, We're going to have... We're going to have Freedom Park. We're going to enjoy it. Get out of here, dude. I've literally been a fan since before they were officially a club. Anyways, before I get to any more of this blasphemy, John, let's move on to kind of looking back over the last week in the college ranks and looking at how our teams have done. Um, I will kick us off, John, with the Bellerman, the Knights, the men's soccer team. They had a 1-1 draw against Central Arkansas. Um, This match was really exciting to watch um, as both teams exchanged first half goals. Um, Brock Pope scored uh, for Bellarmine, um, while Central Arkansas uh, player obviously scored an equalizer. Uh, It was a very evenly played match, uh, which was kind of surprising. I would have thought Bellarmine would have had the better team heading into the match, but... A draw against a very competitive Central Arkansas is not a bad result. They had nine shots um, on nine shots in general. Three of those were on goal. Uh, in the second half, really things kind of really picked up. Uh, both teams had multiple chances, including a missed penalty by Central Arkansas, uh, but neither team could break the the deadlock. So it ended one one. Um, a very important road draw for for the Knights as they really push for. Uh, the A-Sun conference uh, standings and then the uh, conference tournament later this season. I almost said month, but now a little further out than a month from now. Uh, but in my opinion, John, Knights, really good effort by them, hard fought. Um, but, you know, they were able to get a result and then come back. Uh, they will next play a big home game against the defending A-Sun regular season champs in Lipscomb. Um, which is definitely going to be a tightly contested battle um, there in Louisville. Moving okay. over to the women's team. Oh, sorry, what were we going to say?
2: Hey, I'm disagreeing with you. Sorry. No,
0: no you're good. <coughs> um, when we're looking at the Bellman women's team, uh, they had a two-zero loss to Lipscomb. So again, we're in that conference play season. So you're going to hear a lot of similar teams. Um, Lipscomb showed why they women specifically the, wow, that's a terrible sentence. Why did I read it that way? Uh, Bellarmine women. Nope. Still messed it up. Lipscomb women <laughs> showed why they are the a son favorites after jumping out to a super early lead. Um, and just really putting the, the clamps down on the Bellerman uh, and not allowing them to get a goal in. Um, uh, overall like I don't have a whole lot to say about the match it was exciting early for Lipscomb fans jumping out to such an early two-goal lead but then the rest of the match was just kind of flat Um, Bellerman was shaky from the start Um, they got a little bit better in the second half but I think that was more of a case of Lipscomb taking their foot off the pedal as opposed to you know Bellerman actually improving much so Overall, a really, really tough loss. Um, but they will continue uh, with conference play uh, later this week when they play Kennesaw State.
2: All right, where do we want to bounce back? Eastern? Uh, yeah. All right, so the Colonels have... Uh, let me get to the right dates here. The Colonels are coming... They had a uh, so-so week to start off uh, conference play. They dropped a 1-0 loss to Lipscomb. They looked decent in that Lipscomb to get a goal in the thirty-seventh minute off a of penalty. So outside of that, you could say EKU took it to them, or like was fairly fair with the, as you said, reigning champs. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, off. Defensively, they played really good. EKU, four saves, EKU. It was a, lot, it was a little chippy with a lot of fouls. But overall, the Colonels did play much, have been playing much better in their conference of late. They got the 1 0 win over Austin Pay. Uh, with uh, Flush Paula. That
0: P. Flush that P.
2: With uh, Paula Haranz getting her first goal of the year there. Um... You know, it's a good start to conference play. That win also ended a three-match losing streak for the uh, Colonels and broke their scoreless run. Uh, so we'll see if the non-conference schedule, uh, purposely of playing a harder non-conference schedule, pays off. Uh, this week, they got two road games traveling all the way down. Out to Charlotte to play Queens, and then down to Kennesaw, Georgia to play Kennesaw State on Sunday.
0: Lots of travel for the Colonels this week, indeed. John, what about UK? Uh,
2: the men started the started their uh, yeah. Sorry, their first uh, Sunbelt play and the unofficial SEC Conference Championship, <laughs> which I'm not sure how that I love
1: works. it. I love it. I that.
2: get it, but there's uh, other SEC schools have soccer teams. So I'm like, how is it Do they? Do they
0: I have... have others have men? Because from what I had heard was that they the only SEC men's teams were UK and South Carolina. I know Alabama doesn't because I've raised that question before and people are like, you really think Nick Saban's going to let go of uh of a scholarship or two for men's soccer? No. Uh,
2: is this women, No, oh, it is women? Maybe I was wrong. I have I I'll be dead serious. I don't the soccer is the weirdest sport to me. it is why you don't have it? Because it's the one of the cheapest of fields. Like, there's certain high schools around my area that don't have it. And people are like, well, that's because it's so expensive. Like, yes, it's expensive to play soccer. But it's not expensive to field soccer. Club teams have absurd fees to play it. But you John, cannot tell.
0: Huh? I need to interrupt you for like two seconds. This is just a funny moment in life while we're sitting here. Uh, so, Instagram notification. We have a new follower. Nacho Novo. Hey, what's up, coach?
2: <laughs> serious, Sorry. Probably because I tagged him or tagged y'all in the my posts to welcome him. Anyways, um, what was I thinking?
0: Uh, soccer expensive. Soccer in meal. general.
2: It's not that expensive because if you really think about it, yeah, in general, if you're trying to get all the equipment, that's one thing. If you have goals... And corner Mm -hmm. flags, it's really just cleats. And most of the time, players will buy that themselves. Shin guards, mouth guard, maybe. Some players don't use mouth guard, some do. Uh, Goalie has the gloves. And then a bunch of soccer balls. Compare that to mouth guard for every single player. Helmet, shoulder pads. The padding that goes in your... uh, Pants. thigh pads or whatever they're called
0: thighs, knees, hip, butt
2: I'll, I'll add that all up and it's basically double too because yeah. they, they, you played the offense and defense of people you can't tell me soccer is more expensive to field than football it's just when you have a football team because living in eastern Kentucky no one liked soccer 30 years ago 40 nope. years
0: ago Nope, <laughs> they didn't even know what it was
2: I think they did. They just didn't care. Right. Um,
0: I guess I have to be careful because we're getting to that point where it was almost 30 years ago when the 96 team won uh, gold medal in the Olympics.
2: Yeah. Um, but the EKU, or UK uh, dropped that home match against South Carolina 1-0, another early goal Uh, Doomed them with uh, South Carolina scoring in the 27th minute. It's a little chippy affair um, by both sides. But, again, Kentucky's offense was a little better in this route. And their defense played pretty good. uh, Just surrendering, like, three shots total on goal. But it's their offense needs to, like, find net. They're getting shots, but they aren't finding the net. Uh, they'll hopefully do that as they go up to play Ohio State uh, uh, tomorrow. Good luck. Uh, Ohio State's not ranked.
0: I know, but sorry, uh, WKU football fan here. Hey, I thought we had a chance against Ohio State this past weekend. That was and, uh, you
2: wow. drinking. That was you drinking crazy juice.
0: But I okay, different story for a different show. We'll talk about it later.
2: <laughs> um, they'll travel up to Ohio to, to Columbus to play Ohio State tomorrow and then they will travel out to Virginia to play Old Dominion on Sunday night.
0: And how are the number one team in the BGSC college rank, the UK women, how are they doing?
2: Uh, women's are they're still Unbeaten. Uh, their one match, they drew one all with uh, Texas AM down in Texas AM. This also ended their run of scoreless games. Uh, Marcifin, I think this is like her second goal she's allowed all year. Um, Rhodes finally got another goal, her seventh of the year. She got that in the 40th minute, but then Right back in the 44th minute, Texas A&M got it. So this was a very back and forth, tight affair. Um, The women, well, the top team in, so they haven't. They only got one point this past week for the College Cup standing, So someone might be able to jump them this week. Um,
0: I'll have to see how the Campbellsville men did. They're the closest, at only two back last week. So. Yes, Uh,
2: they all they have another they have a home and away road thing. They will play South Carolina on Thursday night, and then they travel down to Florida to play the Gators on Sunday.
0: And speaking of the SEC men's versus women's, just for context, uh, Commissioner Greg Sankey of the SEC, if you would love to come on this show and tell me why the SEC does not have a men's soccer division, I would love to have you on to have that conversation. So make sure to tag us on Twitter and everywhere and help us get Coach or uh, Commissioner Greg Sankey on the show. I would absolutely like be enthralled to have that conversation. But speaking of conferences that do have men's and women's, um, let's shift over to Louisville and talk about the Cardinals. Uh, they unfortunately had their five-match unbeaten streak uh, snapped with a two-to-one loss to Virginia Tech, uh, that forced uh, the Cardinals to go down to four-zero oh, and one. And this was really kind of a surprising result uh, because Virginia Tech just completely outplayed Louisville. Uh, they outshot them, outshot the Cardinals eighteen to ten. Um, did the Hokies, they controlled possession, they applied constant pressure on the Cardinals all day. Uh, Louisville failed to sustain, sustain any kind of energy. They did not have any quickness in them. They were just very flat The for most of the match. Not the entire match, that would be a little dramatic. Uh, but after scoring early for the Hokies, Uh, They kind of dropped back a little bit and were a little more defensive, but they were still able to get that second goal after Louisville tied it um, to get the 2-1 to victory. Um, And really, John, this loss just kind of reinforces how difficult and how competitive the ACC is this year. Um, You had the Cardinals who were coming in mile high, you know, top five team in the country, um, doing great. And then, you know, they take this loss based really off a couple of mental laps on the defensive end. And, you know, you you kind of really have to regroup the team and really kind of refocus them to say, hey, you know, and this is this would be coach John Mitchell Hyden's job. Like, hey, refocus here. We still got the whole season ahead of us. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. And to get them to start back on another undefeated streak here. Um the Cardinals will be very eager uh, to have a midweek match this week um, as they, uh, I I didn't note where the the game was, Uh, but they do play Evansville this week uh, in the midweek. And then they'll continue um, conference play this weekend as they jump back into ACC competition. But Sad to see the unbeaten streak over, but I think it really just kind of re- should refocus the men's team, the men's Cardinals, uh, to continue to, to push forward and to not forget that any team can knock them out at any point. On the other side, uh, the Louisville women's team, they actually had a pretty positive result. They had a 1-1 draw uh, with Virginia. Uh, and it was a historic uh, point. Uh, for the Cardinals. By securing the draw, Louisville picked up their first ever point against Virginia, uh, which is a historically great women's program. Um, getting a result against a ranked ACC opponent uh, for the first time it is a huge step forward for this team. Um, I said it, uh, I think it was last week, the week before, Like this team is going to be their, what am I trying to say here? Their future is going to depend on how good they do in conference play, and this is a great first point, data point in that conversation. Um, the Cardinals' back line really limited Virginia's attack. Um, the keeper for the Cardinals, uh, Floyd, she really made some good key saves. Um, and overall, the defense just really showed up, took advantage, of uh, what Virginia was trying to do, and really alleviated a lot of pressure off the back end. Now the offense for the Lady Cardinals has got to continue to improve. You would have liked to have seen them score a second one and get the victory, uh, but they need some more ball movement. They need to be better in their finishing. Um, but that's something we've been saying this whole season. You know, if you go back to the NKU match, just for example, you know that was one of the matches where the Cardinals really struggled to get something past a really good keeper, and that's exactly what it's going to be like all season unless they can get, again, better ball movement and finish their chances. Um, But overall, the draw uh, is something that should be considered positive and should be built upon. Uh, It showed some defensive progress, but we still need to improve the offensive end of things um, as we continue into ACC play later this week. Uh, where are we going next, John? Let's go to Moorhead. Uh,
2: the Eagles have... It's like, well, let me get to this page. The Eagles, um, they had a decent week. They had a, uh, a 2-2 draw against UNC Asheville on Thursday uh, at home. And then they started off conference play with a win over Little Rock. Uh, Want to win the scores of the games? Were for uh, it was Colleen Swift who scored her third against Asheville and Anna Loher. Uh, Gibbs again stayed, stayed strong in the UNC Asheville match. She only had two saves, but uh, against Little Rock, she had uh, three. So defense is definitely stepping up with her. Chelsea Almore. Uh, Got her first gold season against Little Rock. uh, And they'll host uh, two matches of conference play. uh, Which, by the way, uh, Moorhead has like a sponsor thing or a theme for every single one of their games. Uh, So they'll play UT Martin on Thursday at 4 on Pizza Day. (laughs) And then Western, well, yeah, that sounds about like a Moorhead thing. Yeah, Giovanni's Pizza Day. So I don't know what that is. And then um,
0: a pizza place up there.
2: Okay. And then on September twenty fourth, or on Sunday, they'll play Western Illinois for Youth Soccer Day. So they're they're on after a little shaky start and rough non conference play. They have been a little better of late. Um, you know, they started off conference play on the right foot, so we'll see if they can continue that. Um, and then jumping north to NKU, uh, the men had a bit of a rough hit or miss week. Uh, on Tuesday, they lost to Bowling Green and Bowling Green to the one, uh, with Sam Robinson scoring a goal in the 34th, but that was quickly answered and they got, uh, NKU got another goal, or not NKU, Bowling Green got another goal in the 71st. So they kind of to solidify it, but then they rolled Oakland in Oakland uh, with three dip, three guys finding the score sheet Ken uh, Stoddart, and Robinson all scoring. Um, with, uh, let me find who was the keeper. Uh, With Nick Lemon making five saves in that matchup for the shutout, Uh, the men finally seem to have found some offense and gotten results that aren't just draws as of late. Uh, We'll see if that continues as they head to Evansville to face Southern Indiana on tomorrow night before hosting Detroit Mercy as they go back into Horizon League play, which... As a heads up, the men are kind of going back and forth between conference play and non conference for a bit until October. So, not every match, it's like every other game will be conference play. It's like the weekend
0: games are conference play, right? Um, For the most part?
2: Yes. So, for some reason, they're playing, they're doing this thing of playing Tuesday games, like doing a Saturday, Tuesday type thing. The Tuesday matchups are non conference. So the Southern Illinois, Indi- not in Illinois, Indiana matchup will be non conference.
0: The Screaming Eagles.
2: Um, the women, as we have touched a bit on in our interview with Coach Sheehan, um, their uh, shutout streak ended. F won five matches against IUPUI um in a one one draw on Thursday and then they lost for the first time in since it, like their actual season opener, like their legit one, um to Youngstown State to open for their second horizon league game in Youngstown. Um, that was more of a like just they're two, they uh, Youngstown only had two shots on goal or three shots on goal total, and two of them went in, so it was very much a defensive affair. And they just cracked at the right time for uh, Youngstown. Uh, the women will then play host to go up to Oakland, as we've talked about. On Thursday, and then they will host Purdue Fort Wayne on Sunday.
0: Big, big matchups for all the North fans that watch. Like, get out to those games, support the the women's team. Big uh, matchups they...
2: everywhere. All the teams. There's no, at least of the ones I cover. There's no team that's like truly and terribly bad. Um. So if you Truly and terribly, like just straight up, like gonna get rolled type yeah. thing. Um, they're all ha- are competitive at least, the matches are still competitive and all that sort of things. So, we'll go out and support your teams. Yes, UK women's might be the more attractive team because they have yet to lose a match this year, but go out, support your local schools or whatever the best you can. They're all playing really good. Like Transy, I'm going to put this in our daily report, which, or weekly report, which will be a two week one this coming one because I got a little swamped with stuff and couldn't do it last week. But like Transy put 11 past an opponent recently. Damn. Um, Yeah. So go support your local colleges. The majority of the time you can get in for free. Um, If you can't, uh, just walk to another entrance, probably. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time Berea tried to charge something, and then I forgot Like the other end has a gate as well, and all people just started walking through that other
0: end. <laughs> nice. How very Berea of you all. Um, John, I'll send us home here with the last two. Uh, Murray State had really a very impressive zero-zero 0 draw with Missouri State over the weekend. Um, Earning points against the reigning Missouri Valley Conference Tournament champions. And that's always a good thing to do, especially for the racers. Um, This was a rematch of the championship game from last year, except for this time, Missouri Valley did not find a late uh, winner. Um, So you can see that Coach Lodge's team has improved since uh, that first campaign in the Missouri Valley. Um, the racers garnered uh, more chances in the second half and outshot Missouri state overall in the match, uh, which is definitely something to hang your hat on um, because Missouri state is one of the best uh, women's programs in that mid major range. Um, however, for the racers, um, the offense still needs uh, a little bit of tweaking. They've got to find that finishing touch uh, in the, the box and, and they need to spread out a little bit more, like they can get kind of congested in times. Um, But uh, they have a freshman keeper who had a shutout against a huge uh, conference foe, uh, which is always great to see. Um, Coach Lodge overall was very pleased with his team's effort and felt that Murray State did enough to get the win, um, even though the game did uh, end in a draw. So, overall, this was a great statement performance for the racers, you know, kind of showing that, hey, they are a solid team. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Missouri Valley. Uh, and they prove that they can go toe to toe with anybody. Um, the racers have two conference games this week. Um, the first is down in Nashville on Thursday at Belmont, um, the bitter rivals between Murray and Belmont um, that exist. Um, And then they play Evansville um, at home on Sunday for Pups at the Pitch slash Kids Day. So, uh, for all our fans out in Murray, go out and support my racers. Uh, John, last one of the week. uh, Number one in my heart, though. uh, WKU, Lady Toppers. uh, They had a really, really, really impressive 3-0 victory over Middle Tennessee uh, veteran Katie Irwin and Olivia Cook led the offensive efforts with Irwin netting home two of those three goals. Um, their leadership was huge, and you could see it out on the field in this match. Um, you know, the Toppers took, are absolutely taking home bragging rights over the biggest rivalry. You know, they call it the, the 100 miles of hate between WKU and Middle Tennessee. Um, so it was great to see them step up. Get a, their fifth shutout of the season, but this time net home three goals on the offensive end. Um, they finally broke their offensive woes, um, scoring those three um, ma- uh, three goals. That's more than they had in the previous five matches. Um, so overall, you know WKU two two and five right now one zero oh in conference play, and the future looks absolutely bright. Um here we are again, uh Coach Nadell's team playing conference opponent and absolutely just decimating them. So a great performance by them. Uh, but I think I think Topper fans, we can take a breath, we can relax. This team's not as terrible as we might have thought at one point. Uh and this was a I'm really sure. nice takeaway.
2: Fire the coach article ready to fire. Hey
0: man. <laughs> then you do more research and you find that you know things are better than than what they thought Um, I was trying to load the schedule for the toppers it's taking a second Uh, just an awkward pause at this point they resume Conference USA play um, later this week um, and we want to wish them the, the best of luck moving forward but John with that that will kind of end today's show um, for everybody who's watching, if you enjoyed the show, we appreciate it. Uh, make sure to join our discord. So if you head over to our Twitter or X or whatever I'm supposed to call it now, uh, it's the top pinned, uh, post that we have join our discord, get into the chat. Like we want to really engage more with, uh, with you all. We want to hear your thoughts on racing Louisville and Lou city and Lexington and all these college teams, etc. Uh, so make sure you do that. Uh, if you like watching the show and you want to support us, we do have a buy us coffee account or buy me coffee account uh, right up here at the QR code. Um, feel free to scan it. All our content's always gonna be free, but you know the donations really do help and we really appreciate it. But as always, John, we thank everybody for supporting us. Uh, make sure that you follow us follow us on all of our social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Handle is at BGSoccercast. And give us a listen on all your favorite uh, podcasting platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube, and so many others. While you're there, please make sure to rate, like, subscribe, follow, share, and just help us grow uh, this platform that we've created. Um, But I'm Jimmy. That's John. And we will see you on the next one.